open mind, open our hearts, and fill us with the challenge of your message. We ask this in your name. Thank you, Martin. Good morning, New Hope. Today is the one time a year I'm allowed to get up, out from behind the microphone to behind the pulpit, so brace yourselves. Now, jokes aside, today we are starting a new series called Actions and Attitudes of Worship. It sounds pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It was supposed to be a simple one-off message, but as I started to prepare, I realized there are so many worship actions and attitudes found in the Bible that I had to split it into two messages. So I'm actually going to preach next week as well and give Ian a bit of a, <laughs> a breather before he comes back. But um, So in this series, I would like us to explore the question, what, what are the biblical actions and attitudes of worship? I believe this is a fundamental question we need to answer if we don't want to engage in what has come to be known as the worship wars. If you never heard that phrase before, that's a good thing. But it is one of the ugliest debates in the church today. And even if you haven't heard of it before, you would probably stumble upon it in one form or another. I, I don't want to put too much time on it, but the main thing to know that a large portion of this conflict is based on personal preference. When you walk away thinking, man, that worship was great, or that was terrible, take a moment to ask yourself why. What qualifications or what standards are you using to measure the quality of worship? Typically, the answer will be how we felt about it. We often assess the quality of worship based on how well it resonated with us. It's about our emotional connection. A good worship service is one that we liked. A bad worship service is one that didn't engage or fit with our style. In many cases, sadly, we assess the quality of worship by what it meant to us. And in doing so, we miss the point of worship entirely. That is why Psalm 78, 72 is a key verse for our worship ministry. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. This verse is talking about King David, who was called a man after God's own heart. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul speaks of God's feelings about King David. It says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Man, if God says that about us, you know, how awesome is that? And he does in, his, in, in the Bible. The answer, to why God was, uh, the answer to why David was considered a man after God's own heart is found right in that verse. David did whatever God wanted him to do. So that's why we should take a page out of King David's book in terms of a true heart, which is our attitudes, and skillful hands, which is actions. So today in this, this first series, we're going to look at the actions of worship. So I've called this message, Actions Speak Louder Than Words. Years ago, I learned that the old proverb, Actions Speaks Louder Than Words, was true. 
If people hear you saying one thing or singing one thing, but your actions speak another thing, they tend to believe your actions rather than your words. I'm in love with the creator of the universe. He has given me a full and abundant life. He has given me health, forgiven everything I ever done, answered my prayers for a great wife and family, has given me an awesome purpose in life. He supplements my daily needs and is my closest friend. He gives me wisdom, peace, love on a daily basis. And on top of that, I know He is always with me. So, when I worship God in a private or public setting, I want my actions to match my words. I want the people who I lead in worship to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. I don't want to do actions for actions sake, better than mine, but I want the worship actions of the Bible to reflect the passion of my heart. I love the Psalms. Throughout the Psalms, they're action words. Years ago, I decided that I wanted my life to line up with the Word of God. I wanted to live my life. I don't want to live my life according to, to how I think it should be lived. I want to follow a higher wisdom than myself. My desire to live my life is to worship God according to His patterns and His standards. Because God created me, He designed me, and I found that His ways are superior to my ways. So when I worship, I try to worship to the biblical pattern, not according to my personal tastes or traditions. So here are some of the actions of worship I have discovered in the Bible. So number one, pretty, pretty straightforward. Anyone can guess that? Singing, which we do on Sunday morning, yeah? God loves singing. In the book of Zephaniah, it says that He will rejoice over you with joyful song. And singing is mentioned throughout the Bible. But one of the psalmists says it this way, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. That's a pretty big call to your last breath. And another psalmist tells us, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Another translation says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. And also in the New Testament, Paul tells us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to, to God. And singing is one of the staple actions of worship. You know, and, and we do that every Sunday, you know, but and just to be a little bit interactive because this is a message about actions. So want a bit of interaction. Um, I'm not a I'm I'm not a vocal tutor, but I've learned I've done some vocal lessons. So those of you who are singers, you, you've probably heard this before, but just just using vocal techniques as a bit of an illustration when we sing. So everyone know know about the the diaphragm? Yeah? That's when you sing, they, they, they teach you that's what you use, right? And as babies, we, we naturally use everything, our full capacity of our lungs, our diaphragm, you know, little Ezekiel, he breathes and is using everything. But as we grow up, we tend to use, we get lazier. We tend to use less and less of our lungs when we, we talk or we sing. And, and they say bad singing techniques all in the chest, yeah? 
So with your single chest, it's using only maybe less than half the capacity of your lungs. So when you use half the capacity of your lungs, you're not really able to sustain much in singing or even talking, you get out of breath, right? So, but you see, diaphragm is located further down in your body. So you, have we heard the, fr the phrase, the depth of our heart? Right, sing from the depths of your heart. You know, I'm not saying that's literally directly related to that, but there is a physical correlation, isn't it? From below your heart, okay? And so using a diaphragm, you know, and, and, and it's compared to singing your heart, so, you know, comparing that. Then even with projection, singing and projecting. And one technique they teach you to do is hold your hand in front of your face, right? And when you sing, if you can feel the breath on your, your hand, you're projecting. If you don't, then you're not really projecting. So you put it in front. So let's try giving it. Yeah, Ella's trying it. Let's, let's all give it a hand. Just put your hand in front. And let's just sing. La. Uh, anyone feeling? <laughs> Are we not? <laughs> anyone getting our breath already? <laughs> no, but, but just just simple techniques like that. And, and I liken it to... Because we can all sing. Everyone can sing. You know, whether tunefully or not. But that's, that's another issue. But... You know, we, we can all sing with, with good technique or we can sing with what we call bad technique or lazy technique. You know, and I compare it to, to singing it joyfully, like the Bible says, you know, sing it with gladness or just, you know, tired singing. So there, there is a contrast even in, in singing itself, you know, so that's something we should to bear in mind the next time we, we lift our voice to God. So number two. It's playing instruments and I love to play instruments, you know, we've got the band here. I play around four of them, you know, my, my mate Amos over here was on drums, he plays like everything under the sun, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, so I love that the Bible says playing instruments is an action of worship. You know, it might not be, be something that everyone does, but Psalm 150s is the most famous of the Psalms on this subject. It says, Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourines and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. And all the drummers say, Amen. <laughs> and let, but it says, Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. In that famous psalm, it talks about praising God with string instruments, horns, drums, percussion, and wind instruments. And in fact, it says, if you have breath, you should praise the Lord. Because man, can you imagine that wall of sound coming from those instruments? It's going to be amazing in heaven, eh? Number three, lifting of hands. I love what the prophet Jeremiah wrote. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. There is something about lifting our hands in worship to God that's very spiritual. It's not only for the extroverts or those in the charismatic church. Because an example, I love it when Isabel comes to me with her hands lifted towards me and she says, Pao Pao, which is in Mandarin, and that means carry. Okay, and so you know, just the innocence of daddy carry me, so I lift her up and give her a hug. Okay, obviously, this photo is a little bit staged because 
she doesn't cooperate with the camera. But she was actually asking to be Pao Pao, so I just had to, you know, delay that a little bit while I get this photo. But, um, you know, just as God is our Father in heaven, and He, as, our, as His children, we want to be able to, to, to lift our hands to Him and in, not all the time, but saying, hey, God, carry me in times, you know, of, of need and in times of struggle. And, and what better time in worship? I also love that when the few times I've been to an all-black gang and they score a try, you guys know it, the whole crowd goes wild, jumps to its feet, raise, lifts their hands and shouts, you know? Um, lifting our hands seems to be a very natural human response, you know, but we seem to, to that's something we, we, we might struggle with in church, but there is something about lifting our hands that God loves. Many great men of the Bible, David, Solomon, Ezra, Moses, Paul, and Peter, all lifted their hands in adoration to God. So, just a, a little bit of interaction again. Everyone heard of a Mexican wave? So let's all get involved with this. We're going to left to right, and then back. So let's see where we can go. <laughs> Ready? And back and back. <laughs> it's not that hard, eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. But you see, like you know, and sometimes we just need to get a bit looser, you know, and and and, and just do that. Maybe at the start of worship we do that. No. Um, number four, uh, clapping. Clapping is another natural human response. We clap in approval at a great musical or sporting event. We clap in time with music. Another friend of mine, Ben Lu, who's played drums here before, he loves to clap intricate rhythms on himself, on his body, to entertain himself as a drum kit. He's a drummer, so maybe that's a drummer thing. But he, it's just we're just chilling, and he'll just do that, you know, and just, just um, finding some beats on himself. But the psalm says succinctly, puts it succinctly, come. Everyone, clap your hands. You know, and um, as an illustration, and this is a phenomenon that I've only kind of seen in schools. I think Tina and some of the other teachers would, would attest to this. In, this. in school assemblies that I've attended, if the kids are noisy and rowdy, and, and just one teacher goes up to the front, and all they do is... And all the kids know that that means sit down and be quiet and they, they, they quieten down and they repeat that, that pattern so that's amazing I'm not sure those in your school but yeah so it's, <laughs> but just you know um, just something I've, I've, I've you know it's something really amazing to see but um, yeah let's try that ready Oh, okay I do it and then you guys do it okay we gotta do the teacher student thing ready <laughs> Okay, okay, that's a good, good, good job, guys. I won't push it any further. Not a drummer. Okay. But, yes. So, see, even just to making, you know, noise with our hands and, and just, that I think clapping, especially in, in praise songs, when, when it's a little bit more energy, that actually helps us, you know, with our energy levels, especially in the morning when we're tired. You know, so that's, yeah. So, number five, shouting. 
I found that people naturally shout in sporting events, in fun times, and other exciting human endeavors. But somehow, we think that we shouldn't shout in church. Psalms 41 verse 1 says, Shout to God with joyful praise. I serve a God whose majesty and power is unparalleled. He made the sun, the moons, and stars. He created this wonderful planet that I so enjoy visiting and exploring. He's interested in and involved in the very details of my life. And Jesus said that even the hairs on my head are numbered. Let me tell you, I think that God is more than worthy of me shouting his praise. Do you know that there's even shouting in heaven? It says in Revelation that all the angels and elders declared in a loud voice, shouting, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. There are certainly times when we should get excited about God and excited about what He is doing. So excited about what He has done on the cross that the only human, natural human response is, should be to shout. I do not believe that God wants us to in, be inhabited when, we, when it comes to our praise of Him. Even Jesus says that if we don't praise Him, even the rocks and stones will cry out. And just in this illustration, I think you guys, most of you probably would have heard, but my good friend Elliot over there, <laughs> with his roar in worship, just, I've known Elliot for more than 10 years. I didn't actually see Elliot first when I met him. I heard him <laughs> in worship. I was like, who is that guy? <laughs> but as I've gotten to know him over the years, it's, it's, not, a sh it's not something to show off or, or, or bring attention to himself. I, I've known him for years. It's something that in worship, from the depths of his heart, he, he wants to praise his king. And it, it, that's what comes out. You know, um, and, and even though it, it might be uncomfortable at times, like I, I've shared with him, sometimes he throws me off when I'm leading. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing is, is, it also inspires me that, that I'm my, even though myself, I might not be totally comfortable with that, but it's inspiring to see that happening. So, you know, just, just, uh, just a little bit of our uh, activity. I want to read out, I want to shout out Revelations 5, 12, because that's what it says. Yeah, yeah, that. <laughs> so, let's, maybe, let's all stand a little bit, because shouting, we, it's better to stand. <laughs> so, guys, watch my mic so I don't shout too much. <laughs> but let's, let's read it out together. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, and glory, and praise. Let's give God a clap of praise. Amen. You may, you may take your seats again. Good job, guys. Okay, number six. We have dancing. Dancing, dancing, dancing. American. We got dancing? Why don't we have dancing? Okay. <laughs> Who took out dancing? <laughs> okay. 
Dancing is another one of those human responses that many people are uncomfortable with in church. To tell you the truth, I'm a musician with a good sense of rhythm, but I'm not a good dancer. My wife can attest to that. Fortunately, God still loves it when I express my joy before him with dancing. I love the story of David dancing in 2 Samuel 6. Got the verse, guys? Yeah, okay. When, so in 2 Samuel 6, when the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Jerusalem, David's heart of worship is on full display. It's overflowing with passion. Into, it overflows into passionate dancing and celebration. This story provides all worshippers with a challenging example. David was uninhabited when it came to expressing his joy in dancing. Even when he became king, his joy overflowed into dancing. I know this is a bit of a generalization, but women seem to be freer in expressing themselves in dance than men. Yeah, men, say amen. Yeah, no. Okay. Because frankly, I feel a little awkward when I dance. Um, hey, babe. No, no? Okay. Yeah. But as Solomon said, there is a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And just to share a, a little bit, because uh, I remember clearly for me, back in 2009 when I was still young, <laughs> my first time dancing in worship. And growing up in an Asian family, I'm not a, you know, that's a, don't look at me like that, mom. Um, uh, but we tend to be a little bit more reserved, right? And, and we don't really dance uh, even in family events. <laughs> but I, I do remember going to, to um, just a gathering of this, this worship artist called Jack Hamilton um, back in Horizon Church. And it's, it was something that I didn't go in thinking, oh, I'm going to, this is the time I'm going to dance. Right, and it was oh, oh, that it's a cool worship artist. I went there, and it was cool music. Not your typical kind of worship music. It's a little bit hard rock, so no, you know, not not everyone's into that. But it, and I'm not particularly a hard rock person myself. But remembering that it was not just the music, wasn't the quality of music. It was in that time, 2019, was a time where I was. You know, I did go, I did stray away from God a little bit. And, and you know, that was a time God was kind of, you know, um, strengthening me back and, and kind of going, hey, this is the path you strayed off, so come back to me. And, and in that time, I do remember him affirming my purpose in life, you know. And, and just one particular song that, that Jake Hamilton sang that, that night. Um, and it's called the anthem. And, and the words are these. This is the anthem of our generation. Here we are, God. Shake our nation. All we need is your love. You captivate me. And this part, I am royalty. I have destiny. I have been set free. I'm going to shape history. I'm going to shape the world. Not your typical worship song that we would sing on Sunday morning. But something that really spoke to me. And in, 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 while he was singing those words, God really put an impression on my heart. Hey, I need you, I need you to, to step out. Out of your comfort zone. Something you've never done before. You know, just to demonstrate, hey, 
we're in this together. And, and I remember clearly going, you know, before that, I was like, God, this is awkward. There's heaps of my friends around me. You're going to think I'm a weirdo. They probably think I'm weirdo already, but more of a weirdo. <laughs> but, yeah, like Elliot. Um, but yeah, but I, and, and, and it might be different for everyone, but for me, it's just something snapped, and I just went, okay, I don't care. God, I put you first. God, if I want to walk in your purposes in my life, I am willing to do this small action to demonstrate, hey, I want to go follow you and follow you and, and the path you set for me. And so that, that was quite a defining moment in my life for me. And, and think back of, for you guys, is there anything, doesn't have to be dancing, you know, but it was then action, a, a small action that God has put forth in your life that you can remember and hold as a milestone almost um, in your spiritual walk with God. Number seven, bowing down. Bowing down in worship seems to be more of an accepted Eastern practice than a Western one. Personally, I've only used bowing down in a corporate setting a few times. In, a, in my private worship, I have used it more often. Sometimes, when God makes his presence known in an awesome way, the only acceptable way to worship him is bowing down. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you become aware that you're in the presence of the creator of the universe, it's only appropriate to get down on your knees and bow before him. The psalmist says it this way, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And later on, we're going to sing a new song, Here I Am to Worship, but... And in those lyrics, it says, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, you know. And even if we don't physically bow down, I think we can bow down in our hearts and in our attitudes to God. Number eight, standing. It's, it seems like a pretty weird one because we stand in worship. But I love it when congregations stand and worship God. Is they sing better. They're more attentive, they're more involved. I'm not saying you can't worship God when you're sitting. But when it's just that people sing, clap, lift their hands, and praise God with more enthusiasm when they stand. I love this glimpse of what of I love this glimpse that John had of worship in heaven. So going back to Revelation um, chapter seven, nine to ten. I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and they held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I love this picture. You know, and, and this huge multi-ethnic crowd is standing and shouting their praise to God in heaven. How cool is that? And actually, church, if we look around, we're already representing that in this place. And that's an amazing thing for, you know, to see. Last but not least, giving. Giving. 
If you're anything like me, your mind immediately goes to money when you see the word giving. But in Romans 12, Romans 12:1, it says, "Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He finds acceptable." This is truly the way to worship Him. I believe that giving your whole life to God is the most powerful way to worship Him. God loves it when you trust Him enough to lay down your goals and desires and offer your life to Him. Can you trust God enough to give Him your goals, finances, and dreams? Can you trust Him enough to die to your own ambitions and let Him live through you? Can you trust Him enough to do a better job with your life than you can? And I try to do that. And going back to the verse in Romans, talking about letting our lives be a living sacrifice. The thing to bear in mind with living sacrifices is that they tend to climb off the altar. So that is a daily decision that we have to make to giving our lives to God. Because when the worries of the world comes in, we can go, okay, God, I need this part back. To sustain myself, so it's a daily decision. So to kind of recap, so we have these actions of worship: singing, playing instruments, lifting of hands, clapping, shouting, dancing, bowing down, standing, and giving. My question is. Do you struggle with any of these actions of worship? Maybe write one or two of them down on on your outline. And also, can you add to this list? This is not an exhaustive list. It's just what I found in the Bible. So, if you find more, definitely let me know. But I'd like us to reflect and and you know, just ask God and through His Holy Spirit. Convict us of is there any of these actions that Lord you are speaking to me today? So to wrap up, this message could end here, and the main point would be worship harder, lift your hands more, don't be so self-conscious, be more like King David. But that's missing the point. It's not just about actions. It misses that David's worship in Second Samuel six is pointing to Jesus' perfect worship, because David, the shepherd king, who worshipped God with abandon and joyfulness, is pointing to Jesus, the true and great David. Now, the true and greater David, the true and greater shepherd king, who worship, who perfectly worshipped his father. With abandon and joyfulness, and became so indignified as to lay down his life for his sheep on the cross. And thanks be to God, our our worship, even our meagre, lame, reserved, self-conscious attempts, is covered over in Jesus' perfect worship of the Father. 
The point of David's worship isn't to make us feel guilty about our lesser attempts. The point of David's worship is to point us to Jesus' perfect attempt. And as a result, we are free to be expressive and joyful and undignified in our worship because we are covered. Because our worship is before the Lord and acceptable to God and delighted in because of Jesus. We are also free to bring our self-conscious, uninspired, weary, offbeat, lexidexical worship to God and not be afraid that He is disappointed in our blameness because God sees our feeble attempts of worship through the lens of His Son's perfect and ongoing worship on our behalf. So definitely, we could all use some encouragement from time to time to loosen up, to grow up, and to look up in our worship and stop being so incredibly self-conscious and reserved. David, King David is a good example of this. But ultimately, we all need to look to Jesus, the perfect worshiper, and find our freedom to worship. Yes, even to dance with all our might, but not in feelings of guilt and obligation, but instead in the good news of being covered up in Him and raised to life forever. Let's pray. Father God, pray that this message is not only, it's not my words, but Lord, it's not only about actions, doing actions for action's sake. Because Lord, we're not in the business of behavior modification. We're in the business of transformation of the mind and of the heart. Father, we pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and convict us in areas of our lives that we have not given up to you. In areas that we might struggle with, Lord, we pray that you'll bring people around us that can encourage us. Encourage us to go deeper, to go more intimate with you, Lord. And Father, we just pray that, that we will not be so self-conscious, worried about what other people think of us. And Lord, we just pray that we'll be able to live our lives as a living and holy sacrifice each and every day until we meet you face to face. We pray all this in our perfect example in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.